Good morning and welcome to True Talk. This is your host, Samar Jarrah. I'm going to be hopefully talking uh, to Muna Saif. Uh, she is uh, in Egypt and she will be talking about her uh, brother who is in prison and on hunger strike. He has recently written the book, You Have Not Yet Been Defeated. I think maybe last year, Democracy Now! Uh, did something on it. And uh, I hope you will uh, stay tuned but before that i'm going to be playing a very interesting song i love it it's by a tunisian her name is amel medluthi medluthi amel and it's called kalimati hurra my word is free and this is from the 19 uh, the 2015 nobel peace prize concert and this was after the arab spring this is w mnf 88.5 fm and this is amel
mentioned, welcome to True Talk. If you love this uh, song, it is by Emel Methluthi, and she is from Tunisia. And I just mentioned the name of the song, Kalimiti Hurra, My Word is Free. And I think it's very timely because we're going to be talking to Muna Saif, who is um, in Egypt now. And we're going to be talking about her brother, uh, Ala, who has been imprisoned several times since the uh, what is known as the Arab Spring. And uh, he is currently in prison, I think serving a five-year sentence. He is on hunger strike. And I'm uh, currently reading his uh, book, You Have Not Yet Been Defeated. And it's about selected works, 2011-2021. I can't read the numbers. Good morning, uh, Muna. Welcome to True Talk. Uh, Hi, Samar. Thank you very much. Uh, let me just uh, let me just correct you and tell you that at the moment I'm in London, so I'm in my second home, <laughs> um, and I'll be moving back and forth between Cairo and London uh, to follow up with Alec's status in prison until eventually he's out and we can settle. Uh, me and him both here in London. Insha'Allah, Muna. So Inshallah. Uh, I stand uh, corrected that Muna is, but she is, of course, Egyptian and her brother is in uh, Egypt. Uh, she comes from a very prominent family, very well-known family in Egypt, not in the sense of wealth or business, but in the <laughs> sense, yeah, because when you say that here, people might assume it's because of wealth. It's because of their wealth of national struggle and their wealth in uh, education and knowledge. Uh, her father, she will tell us more about him, uh, used to be uh, Allah Yerhamu, God bless his soul. He passed away a few years ago, but he was a very renowned lawyer and um, civil rights uh, advocate. And her mom is a very well-known math teacher, but uh, again, uh, very active uh, people uh, in the public life of Egypt. Muna, I really don't know where uh, to start, but let's start with um, Ala. Um, as your brother, where was he living before the January 25 events started to happen in Egypt? Let's say before the Arab Spring. Who was Ala? What was he doing? And then uh, I know okay. that he came back to Egypt. Yes. Go. So Ala is a techie. He's a software developer. Um, and uh, before January 25th, he was actually, he had left uh, to South Africa. Uh, where he was living. He was living in South Africa for two years. Um, he had a home there. He was establishing work there and everything. And then January 25th happened and I was in Egypt. And I remember how, like, very quickly when he saw that things are shifting and there and there is something big is happening on the ground in Egypt and there is a real potential for, you know, proper political change and a different future for our generation in Egypt. Um, he really um, sold everything, he and his wife, they sold everything. And in, within, you know, less than two days, they were um, in Egypt and he has been there ever since. Um, well, advocating for <laughs> freedom and human rights and paying a, he- a heavy price for it because um, Ali has always since Mubarak Ali was prosecuted and targeted by every uh, consequent regime in Egypt, every regime that took power. Uh, and since CC came in power, so since 2013 effectively, uh, Ali has been mostly in prison. 
I think uh, I, I, and I want our listeners to uh, go uh, online and check his uh, recently re- re- released book. It's called You Have Not Yet Been Defeated. I downloaded it on my Kindle so I can actually, uh, when you read on Kindle, you can uh, tweet or you can Facebook segments of the books. Uh, and this is why I really bought that electronic copy. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. And from it, um, Mona, I think it says that March 2006 was the first time uh, Ala was uh, arrested. Uh, why was he arrested? Like, what was the uh, charge? Was it March 2006? I thought it was May or June. Anyway, in 2006, Saleh was in his 20s and he was part of the uh, rising uh, Arab bloggers movement. Um, uh, where youth were taking to independent blogs to do their own, to write their own opinions about what's happening, to cover what's been happening that is not uh, making its way uh, to the mainstream media. Uh, and Ale being a techie and really interested in, in freedom of information and in empowering people, generally one of his things is empowering people to different tools to be able to uh, express themselves and share their opinions and uh, organize between themselves, uh, had created with Manel, his wife uh, back then, had created the, um, the an aggregator for Egyptian blogs, so where you can go and follow what's been written in all sorts of topics and themes and different things, arts and politics and everything. And um, at that point, there was also a, a rising movement with the Egyptian judiciary uh, against the uh, Mubarak's government, uh, um, led by a few judges who were and the judges club in Egypt who were trying to uh, um, assert the independence of the judiciary system and, and, and regain their independence from the state. Uh, and they were... Um, basically being really um, punished, I would say. Yes, or <laughs> punished, punished. By, the, by the regime and, and, and a lot of, a lot of um, yeah, a lot of activists and uh, political, well, opposition at, at that time and different, you know, um, groups were uh, joining in their support and Ali and the bloggers were one of them and they helped really uh, move things along and, and helped uh, connect what was happening with the independence of the judiciary to other uh, to others uh, from our generation and older and younger. Uh, so this was when he was first uh, detained. He was attending a protest um, in solidarity with the um, movement of the independence of the Egyptian judiciary um, and he was arrested uh, in 2006 and he spent 45 days in prison. So this was my first experience with Ali being uh, a political prisoner. Um, were you able to, just, were you able, uh, Mona, you and your uh, family to visit? Uh, were you able to have due process, like to hire a lawyer and uh, look into his case at that time? Well, at that time, uh, we, we were, my, my father was with us. So my father is a human rights lawyer. So he and his colleagues were Ali's lawyers. And we were able to a certain extent, uh, but again, the, Full due process was never <laughs> granted. I think uh, in in any political uh, trial I've been exposed to since you know since I'm consciously aware. So since 2006 until now, but of course, speaking from this point we are in right now and reflecting on 2006, the the legal process 
that we were engaging with with was far different than what's happening right now. Um, so we were, yes, I visited Alec back then in prison. Um, he was, um, some of the people who were arrested with him were severely uh, abused and tortured back then. Uh, um, he he was in prison for 45 days and, and released and... Yes, and this started our journey. I, I, I want to remind our listeners that we are talking uh, during the era of Husni Mubarak. Uh, is it correct, Muna? Uh, Husni Mubarak yes, was absolutely. still the president, uh, somebody that we heavily finance here in the U.S. So it's very important to know what happens to people who want to just speak their mind. He was actually in just uh, like a sit-in or like, you know, haha, we always yes, have. Yes, solidarity. Yes, solidarity. He's not a lawyer He's not a judge and it was about the independence of the judiciary, which is something that uh, we in the West here, of course, value and in the Arab world. But he was put in prison for 45 uh, days. I just want to remind our listeners that are listening to True Talk on WMNF and we are transmitting live uh, through the website here on uh, Twitter. So people listening from all over the world, you can text me or you can send me messages or our listeners here in the US, they can always call 813-239-9663, 813-239-9663. But you can always send um, emails to dj at wmnf.org. Uh, Muna, uh, Ahmed and I, my co-host, have always uh, spoken about the uh, January uh, 10 revolution and January 25 uh, and all that. But is it possible to refresh their mind? This whole thing started because of a guy called Khalid Saeed. And I guess this is what prompted your brother uh, to come back uh, to Egypt. Can you, do you remember a bit details that you can help our listeners just to refresh their memories yes. before we move on? So Khalid Saeed was uh, the changing point for a lot of us and our generation uh, uh, back in 2010 when he was, um, when the photo of his face uh, all bashed and tortured uh, by the police, he was uh, beaten up to death by the police, uh, was released uh, to the media. And I think, so we've always known, and a lot of people, everyone who's, who is engaged with the public sphere in Egypt knows that Mubarak, Mubarak's regime used um, uh, torture as a systematic method in dealing with, uh, in the police dealing with the citizens. But I think Khaled Saeed, the difference about it is that it brought it very close home to us. Uh, it, uh, he, he looked like, you know, your cousin, your friend, someone you, you, you could know, you could relate to your, your age. And it was just really shocking. And this changed the engagement of our generation uh, with uh, with uh, with um, what's happening with Mubarak and with like politically um, with expressing our political anger. Um, so this was the shift, definitely. And then eventually everything led to the the, the circulating invitation to go on January twenty fifth, which is the um, annual uh, police day in Egypt and to go to take to uh, like a big protest, uh, peaceful protest in major squares um, against, ag specifically against police brutality. It eventually uh, um, evolved into against the whole Mubarak regime and wanting to topple the regime. But the main trigger was police brutality, 
um, and and just how extremely oppressive everything was in uh, in life in Egypt under Mubarak. And so January 25th happened. And all sorts of people participated uh, from different generations and also from all sorts, all different backgrounds. Um, and I was there. I was one among lots of others. And we were <laughs> mostly trying to use, uh, everyone was trying to find their own role. So um, I was 24 years old back then. <laughs> I'm 36 years old now. Uh, so it's been a long time. Um, and we were trying to use our social media accounts to share uh, our own voices and our own stories and, and, and do what we called back then citizen media. So share from the ground what's happening to make sure that all our voices are heard and that people are not dependent on state controlled media to know what's happening on the ground. What is it, Mona, like a young person like you, 24 years old, that comes from, uh, let's say, a comfortable uh, fam- uh, middle-class family? Uh, what is it that people like you, because there were masses of young people, I've never seen young people in one place in any Arab country, except maybe only in Tunisia before that, but then in Egypt and how the police tried to um, uh, hit all of you, prevent you from coming to cross the bridge to go to the main square that everybody knows is known as Tahrir Square, which uh, amazing, it means uh, liberation uh, square. So what is it like in your mind? What is it that you were dreaming of achieving? I think in a way, um, the, the, the few... The few small moments during 2010 in the protests for Khaled Saeed where we, we managed to gather as groups and, and organize and, and, you know, feel like we belong to, we are part of a collective rather than just everyone being isolated somewhere away from the other. I think these small moments made us feel a different sense of um, ownership towards the country we have not even approached before and a different sense of a possibility possible like it opened different possibilities for a different future um a a more collective future and a more just future and a more you know open to diversity future than what we than what the reality of our country was and is Um, and so january 25th was about that it was about there was boiling anger there was obviously there were so many other people, grassroots initiatives who have been working for the past, for the years previous to 2011, working on different aspects of rights and uh, civil and political rights and human rights. Uh, and this all sort of came together. Um, and, and, and there was this opportunity where it was just really surprising for everyone it, because it was an event on Facebook and everyone was, was joking. But, but when you saw the, 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 the crowds gathering in the streets and chanting and, and walking when, when all of a sudden you felt like you are part of a much bigger group than you had imagined and much, much diverse, you know, walking next to people from all over Egypt um, with all kinds of background and you're all seeking the same thing, uh, a different future. Um, it's, um, yeah, it, it was just really empowering and it... And it empowered... It was a moment... Sorry, go ahead. It was ahead, a moment where... It was a moment where we felt the the kind of country we would want to live in 
uh, and have a future in was actually possible if we work together. And so everyone was in the street trying to do just that. And it inspired the people all over the world, even here in the U.S., uh, because uh, people, when they were, I think, liberate, trying to liberate, uh, there was a movement about uh, Wall Street. Um, they used to wear, uh, they used to carry banners saying uh, Tahrir Square. We want Tahrir Square here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to move forward. Uh, Mubarak uh, left uh, office on October 9th, two thousand eleven. The Maspero massacre uh, took place where the army attacked uh, people also demonstrating. I can't remember really why. Maybe you can clarify that. And they killed around 26 people, 26 Egyptians. And I think um, most of the people who were killed um, or at least the demonstration has something to do with Christians in Egypt, the Copts in Egypt. 350 people were injured, 26 died. And uh, and in your brother's uh, book and uh, by the name, you can get it here in the US. It's called You Have Not Yet Been Defeated by Ala Abdel Fattah. He writes very vividly about being in the morgue and how I want our listeners to understand like like even with death like with with Shireen Abu Akla that we were talking about yesterday, the Arab, the Palestinian American journalist uh, massacred uh, in Jenin in uh, occupied Palestine. Uh, even in death you do not have the freedom to die and the freedom to be buried and the freedom uh, to get the uh, medical report. He writes very, very vividly. He made me feel like I am in the morgue there. Then, Hala, in uh, October 20th, which is about uh, less than, uh, almost 11 days later, he publishes To Be With The Martyrs, for that is far better. Then what happened to your brother after he published that piece? So this was the second towards the end of 2011 when it was becoming more and more clear how the Supreme Council Armed Forces, who were now, who were now the interior power, um, were uh, opting for military tribunals and, 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 and different forms of violent tools against uh, to suppress the remaining attempts to continue the revolution. Um, and, and this is when we had already started working against the military trials. Um, we started the, the movement for no military trials for civilians. Uh, Maspiro was, um, was uh, one of the, the biggest turning points for us because it was, as you said, um, more than 20 people died. It was a peaceful Coptic uh, cel- um, uh, uh, protest that was brutally squashed by the military and, and, and brutally means... Okay, uh, Mona, I lost you here. Uh, your mic became uh, muted. Okay, Mona. Mona, can sorry, uh, can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah. We, we you oh, were muted, so go ahead, yeah. please. Um, and so yes, Ale was very much involved and engaged, and he wrote about it. Uh, he wrote particularly about Mina Daniel, who is. Um, who was one of the martyrs and who was particularly uh, a, a close one to our hearts, and uh, and then we, we we were. This was by his first, the, the first in a long sequence of different trials for Ali. So he was summoned to military prosecution. He was at the U.S. at the moment attending uh, some conference, 
when the summon was uh, issued. And uh, so he announced publicly that he's returning and he's turning himself in and he returned end of October and went to the military prosecution. Uh, at that point, we had already had thousands of other protesters and different citizens uh, lurking behind bars because of military trials. Uh, and Ali uh, walked in uh, with uh, with my father and the lawyers and he decided to, uh, I'm here, I'm turning myself in, but I will not um, uh, accept uh, a military trial. I will not deal or answer any of the questions unless I am facing my natural judge, uh, a civil court, a proper civil court. Um, and, they, and he maintained the stance and they tried to, so he remained in prison and they tried to really break the stance and, and raise the threats against him until uh, eventually. Um, I think your mom went on a hunger uh, strike, uh, Dr. Uh, Leila. Yes, everything. <laughs> Haram, your mom. Yes. My mom went on a hunger strike and the other thing was that Manel Ali's wife was pregnant and about to give birth to his son, Khalid. Uh, and so this was also used to try and 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 make him, you know, a parent. I think it's, it's yeah. yeah. Go yeah. Yeah, go. but at the end, uh, he stood his ground, and towards the end of uh, December, towards December two thousand and eleven, the the file was referred to a civil judge, uh, and Ali was uh, released. And uh, later on. Uh, actually, he was not just acquitted of all charges, but um, the, so the key witness the state and the military had against him who claimed that he uh, stole a truck and had beaten up soldiers and, and stole a weapon was referred to court for uh, uh, false claims and false testimony. Let me just... Uh, yeah, go ahead, Mona. Sorry. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. Yeah, I just want to uh, clarify uh, to our audience and to make it very clear. Alain could have stayed in the U.S. He's a very uh, well-known uh, tech uh, expert. And uh, I want uh, Mona uh, to play. Uh, please keep your mic on. I hope you can hear it, but <laughs> please be very quiet because we're using the same feed. I'm going to play uh, a segment. I want them to listen to his voice. I want them to see his uh, mind. And uh, this is from, I think, uh, the conference that uh, Muna just mentioned. So uh, he could have stayed in the U.S. He was talking uh, to the Silicon Valley Human Rights Conference, but he decided to go back to his country uh, for uh, like he did before and decided uh, to go uh, and face uh, the, um, the uh, military uh, judge. So, Mona, I'm going to play it. So, please tr try to be as quiet as you can. This is Ala Abdel Fattah, the person we are talking about who is at the moment deprived of books, of pencils, of paper, of even the uh, official newspaper of the country. And uh, listen to him talking at the human rights. Uh, he was the keynote speaker. <clears throat> Hi. Um, let me just um, take 30 seconds off topic and talk about uh, extraordinary justice, which is what I'm going to be facing, military uh, prosecutor. There's ob obviously no due process. Civilians shouldn't be facing that. I urge you to find ways to stand in solidarity with anyone who is facing extraordinary ju um, justice. You've, um, 
you've had your share of it with the Guantanamo uh, detainees here in this country. Um, so if you care about human rights, you know what it's like and you know why it's important. There are 12, 000, around 12,000 civilians in Egypt who are currently in military prison. Um, most, um, some of them for participating in the revolution that the military um, pretends to have protected and sided with. Some for very minor um, offenses, mostly they're being randomly detained around major events in which it is the military who has committed the crimes and not the civilians. Um, so I urge you to find ways to stand in solidarity with anyone who is facing extraordinary justice. Thank you. Um, and now for the topic. <laughs> so. Um, I guess I'm here as an activist, as a foot soldier in the revolution, to talk about how um, tech companies can find ways um, to maintain and promote and protect uh, and respect the human rights of their users. Now, that's a topic I'm quite cynical about. Companies are not really likely to do any of that. Corporations are not really likely to do any of that. It comes, <laughs> it, um, the conflict, with, you know, it's not exactly that there is a conflict of interest. I mean, it, I think we're all here because we know that it's actually possible to go about our business without infringing of people's rights and without allowing and being um, tools that are being used to infringe on people, people's rights. But the relationship, the structure of relationships between power is such that even if it's possible, even if it doesn't cost much, even if it's not going to affect the profit margins, it's probably not going to happen. If you're just joining us, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 FM. I'm talking to Muna Saeed. She's the brother of Ala that you were just uh, listening uh, to a moment ago. And this was in 2011, and he was speaking at the Silicon Valley Human Rights Conference. And I think, Muna, it's amazing that this was so many years ago. And this is exactly what uh, most of activists, not only um, around the world, but let me talk in particular about uh, the Arab world, where... The, they they don't feel safe using uh, these social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram. Uh, th this information can be handed to the police and the governments and they can use them to arrest them. So your brother was way ahead of his time. I'm not sure if they were using these tactics then when he spoke, but I felt I needed to play this segment because people needed to know um, that he was really a visionary. And this is why probably he was selected to be at the Silicon Valley Human Rights Conference. I'm not sure if you have a comment about that or not. I, I actually I I didn't hear the recording, so something was happened yeah. with the with, yeah. So it's, and maybe it's not a bad idea, but. I, you know, I don't suddenly find Ali's voice in it. <laughs> yeah, so I played his voice because it's important. Now, I want, yes. uh, I, I know we are. there are so many things uh, to talk about because, again, he got arrested, I think, November 28 in 2013. And then he was released uh, March 30th, 2019. And then September 29th, 2019, he was arrested. Uh, his last arrest, what was it about? Yes. 
So he had, uh, so his last arrest was in 2019, September. He had just been released six months before, after he had finished a full five-year sentence. Um, he was not completely free. He was uh, banned from traveling and he was under strict probation. They were forcing him, so between March 2019 and September 2019, they were forcing him to turn himself in every night at 6 p.m. to the uh, police station and to be released the next morning at 6 a.m. So he was... He wasn't like it was. He was still under, you know, their watch and 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 um, and not free of them of the like the regime and their oppression at all. But um, in September two thousand and nineteen, in in a rise in targeting different activists uh, because this was the first time um, small some small protests. Uh, erupted in um, in different places in Egypt. Uh, it was the first time during Sisi that these that any protests were were took place uh, to the street after the the events and the massacres of 2013. Um, and so and and they were mostly directed towards Sisi and angry towards Sisi. So uh, state security. Um, operated in the same way they always operate, which is just go and round up everyone uh, they could think of who could be uh, of political threat to them. Uh, and that included Ali, even though he was unaware of the protests that were happening, because as they were happening, he was actually locked in, isolated in the police station. Um, but they decided to take him along anyway. And so Ali was taken again. Uh, and he was, and since then he was, he, he has been in prison and it's much worse than anything we've ever experienced before. So he was um, taken to uh, state security prosecution. He was then taken to maximum security prison two uh, in Toro. Um, he was, uh, as he was um, detained in, um, in the, the ward they have assigned for ISIS, um, stripped of like the bare, bare, the, the, the most basic of rights. So he wasn't allowed books, he wasn't allowed any exercises, uh, he wasn't allowed any time out in the sun or fresh air. Um, for the first year, he wasn't allowed any hot water and until we managed to convince them to al allow him a small kettle. Um, our visits are all done uh, in, in a cabin with a glass barrier and uh, we, we speak through a headset and this is not usual at all in Egypt. This is a new... Uh, sort of US-installed uh, mechanism. Um, uh, and he had been uh, exposed to uh, brutal beating up and threats uh, on his arrival to the prison. And since then, we've just been in, a, in an ongoing wave of violations and escalations that do not stop. Uh, and us trying every legal pathway possible and submitting official complaints to, um, to Judge Hamid Asawi, the general prosecutor. Ali uh, submitted complaints to any judge or prosecutor he appears before and basically not a single official uh, taking any real action to stop the abuses or to, um, or to open an investigation in any of the complaints we, we give. And eventually, last December, he was sentenced to five years uh, in an emergency court without proper trial and without us getting any access, without us getting a copy of the case file. So the only thing we actually know <laughs> is that um, he was accused of uh, publishing false news 
about prison conditions uh, uh, for resharing a Facebook post. So he reshared the Facebook post about the death of a prisoner in uh, Torah Maxim Security Prison 2. And he wrote with the post these five words, which got him five years in prison. Uh, another victim dies in solitary prison, uh, in, in solitary cells of, of Torah. Excuse me, uh, Mona. It is uh, these uh, accusations are really ridiculous. Any person listening would say, you know, the the, the this cannot uh, be uh, happening. Why they this? Uh, whether it was the previous uh, Mubarak regime or the military council or later the current regime, what on earth are they afraid if Allah comes out because they have deprived him? from writing and posting or reposting or tweeting or anything. What is it they are afraid of? Uh, like, is it because he uh, was prominent, had many followers? Is it because of his writings? I mean, what, what, do, they, what do they expect to achieve uh, from uh, keeping him in prison five years for five words retweeted uh, or, uh, re, um, uh, or Facebooked? I think it's a mixture of things. So I think a big part of it is that they are intent on setting an example of everyone who was prominent in January 25th, uh, just to make sure it's a clear message to all other, you know, all other of their generations or younger, not to even think about attempting uh, to voice out their, um, uh, yeah, you know, they're, they're discontent about anything happening. So this is one of it. The other thing is, um, I think that state security and the, 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 and actually like, and the whole way uh, President Sisi runs things in Egypt, um, they are incapable and the way they have taken complete control over the media. They have blocked all uh, all independent media platforms and outlets. Um, they have locked so many journalists in prison. They have locked also uh, uh, opposition politicians, people who are going to run in official parliamentary elections like Ziad al-Alimi and so on. So th this is a regime incapable of coexisting with people who have different views, uh, who are uh, who are holding on to the independence of their uh, mind and their voices um, and who have a different narrative um, uh, and, uh, to what happened since 2015 and what is happening on a daily basis in Egypt. This is a regime that is incapable of coexisting with, with anyone uh, straying from the script that they have allowed and they have distributed and everyone else. So this makes Ali a constant, and not just Ali, but a lot like him. As I said, there are so many journalists inside. There are lawyers, Mohammed Al-Bakr, Mohammed Oksujin, who is um, a young independent freelance journalist who was in the same case as Ali, uh, and who's actually in worse conditions because he has been, since his detention, since his arrest, so since 2019, he's been completely banned from family visits. Um, so, so there are a lot of examples uh, that tell you that they are incapable of just accepting uh, a different, a, a voice that is different, uh, opinions that are different with them, and they are intent on crushing them completely. Whether to to mute this particular voice, so whether to mute Ali, whether to set an example of him and others like him, whether to punish our family for 
um, maintaining our uh, uh, our struggle and our and your voice and <laughs> and dignity uh, and I want to uh, uh, remind our listeners we're talking to Muna Saif who is talking about her brother Ala who uh, is in prison and again we're going to talk about it uh, shortly uh, he's actually on a hunger strike so there is an uh, urgency to why we're talking uh, to Muna but Muna and her sister Sana who just left the US she was here in the past two weeks uh, speaking uh, all over uh, the country trying to raise awareness about her brother but also you can uh, read his voice and know uh, the depth of his uh, knowledge uh, if you read his book you have not yet been uh, defeated that's available uh, on all platforms uh, and different ways here in the US but Muna and Sana they have uh, like a huge following on uh, Twitter maybe Muna more and every time they take uh, their mother and they go try to see uh, the brother or sometimes you know we fast in Ramadan so they want to take him bring him tabliya they call it like a tray of food um, and they would spend eight hours nine hours uh, just to let uh, some decent human being food uh, into the prison. And then, Mona, I think your sister was arrested and put in jail because of one of these attempts to talk, to see your brother? Yeah. My Sane was arrested three times uh, since 2013. So in total, she served something around three years in prison. In prison. Uh, each one under a different pretext, but, but the main, the core reason for uh, targeting her every time was that she's very vocal about what's happening with Ali and other um, prisoners, and uh, and and as a punishment for a collective punishment for the family and for her for continuing to raise uh, our voices and talk about abuses and violations um, uh, about Ali and about prison conditions in general. Uh, she had recently been released, released, which is a blessing. In last December, she had uh, she was released after she had spent a whole year and a half. So she spent her full sentence, a full unjust sentence. Uh, and uh, she, and as you said, she was just in U.S. Um, but she was she's just she's actually made me in the U.S. to um, to join the book tour for Ali's book since he can't be present and and sort of try and share his voice in the different cultural events that were happening um, uh, about the book and, uh, and about what's written in it. And it's also important to note um, that so most of the essays written in the book and translated were actually written while Ali was in prison, um, just because he has been mostly in prison for the past 10 years. So you'll have a lot of, um, of the articles written were actually written and either sent officially uh, via letters at the beginning of his imprisonment or at one point smuggled uh, in different forms and different ways. And uh, your family decided to do take a major step um, uh, in the hopes that he will uh, be released. Uh, and maybe this is why you are in uh, London now. Can you tell our, what was the last resort your family after you have exhausted, I think, every every possible legal and um, uh, public relations type of effort because Ala has been on a hunger strike 30 days now or is it more? Uh, 
48. 48, ya Allah. The day is 48. Is he taking any so, salted water? I know all this information. Yes, he's taking, he's taking uh, salt uh, uh, rehydration sachets, so salt and water. And this is, uh, this is, this is a big lesson we had from uh, Palestinian prisoners in uh, in Israeli jails. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's a way to maintain to slow down the, t- the deterioration of the body on hunger strike. Um, so he's uh, he's not taking food, but he's taking water and salt. Okay, and it does uh, hurt the body. I don't want to hurt your feelings or scare you off, but I want our listeners to know when you go on a hunger strike and and you take uh, salt and water is just to slow down the deterioration of all your organs. Uh, so he is really fighting for his life. So his family decided to do the last thing that they didn't want to do all these years. What was it, Yamuna? So... I have to say, the the current path we are in is something that started more than a year ago. So it's not uh, it's not in response to his hunger strike, but his hunger strike uh, sort of pushed us to become public about everything that we were uh, doing recently. Um, so um, basically. Two years ago, when we realized after Ali was taken, was brutally uh, beaten up, and we realized that. As long as we are here and as long as this regime, regime in power, Ali will be in prison. Uh, no matter what happens, no matter how we manage our lives, no matter how uh, he tries to focus on his life when he's out and on regaining his life, he's just going to be uh, thrown back in prison and every time it's going to be more violent and more um, and more dangerous and more threatening. And so uh, my mother uh, has a British citizenship because she was born in London and we kind of never really looked into what is the process, the proper process needed for us to uh, to gain and whether we have the right to that. And and um, and then we we thought we we just thought this must be the only way. Uh, luckily for us, we ha- we actually it turns out our right was straightforward to the citizenship. Um, it was not something we needed to uh pursue or apply for um me and Sani actually only needed to um apply for a first uk passport um with Ali we needed slightly more uh process mostly because he was in prison so we were doing everything on his behalf um and we finalized all the paperwork for Ali last december uh, so all the citizenship paperwork Uh, and we've submitted uh, a request for consular uh, visits since then, but the Egyptian authorities have been stalling and blocking it. Um, and, yeah, we think the so, ultimate... Sorry, go Yeah, on. so you are hoping that now, Ala, who is the same human being, Uh, now that that he has uh, the British citizenship, maybe the foreign office in Britain, maybe journalists would be more humane and start pressuring the government because obviously with the case of uh, Shireen Awabaqla, you know, being American didn't really um, cause any uh, sympathy more than vague words. But are you hoping, I am hoping that Britain is different. Are you hoping that seriously there will be some political pressure uh, uh, on the uh, uh, Egyptian government by the foreign office in England now that Ala is uh, a British We are hoping, and it is happening. It is slowly happening, but it is happening. Um, uh, 
and it is happening on very small, uh, even it can be uh, yani seen and felt on very small levels. For a very brief exa- example, um, last, so March 20, uh, 2021 was when the uh, Egyptian authorities and state security knew of my um, citizenship uh, status. Uh, and I have been um, the the target of uh, a slandering, an ongoing slandering campaign that did not stop from November 2019 until March 2021. So until they were aware that I am a British citizen. Mm. Uh, oh <laughs> it's such a sad thing yeah. that, that, you know, that you have to acquire the protection of another citizenship and passport to convince um, uh, the Egyptian authorities and the Egyptian media that uh, you know your life and your name and, and should not be uh, thrashed all over uh, their um, their news platform. But this is how it is. Um, we are uh, and Ali's hunger strike is 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 part partially um, driven by this. He has been waiting. Uh, for the consular uh, visits since December. He has been hoping that this would uh, very rap- very rapidly and understandably so change the, the horrible conditions he has been uh, enduring. And he has been hoping this would force some sort of um, uh, relief recalculation or- by, the, by, the, by the Egyptian authorities in the way they are illegally stripping him of every possible right and every possible... Uh, I, I think something happened. Uh, I read, uh, I'm trying to go to your um, uh, account on Twitter, I think maybe a few hours ago, you said something yes, improved. Just today. Okay. Oh, God. Yes. What? So just today, and, and really it is due to the uh, pressure by the, uh, not, not just by the UK government, but by, but by the collective solidarity of people from everywhere and people in the UK sending to MPs, uh, to their MPs in the parliament. And like the past few weeks, we've seen a lot of uh, solidarity uh, uh, action that, it, that was helping to raise the profile of Alex's case uh, and make and urge the uh, UK government to intervene more, more on his behalf. So actually today, um, for the first time, my mother visited him. Alex was transferred to another prison, uh, uh, to the newly in, uh, built Wedinatron prison. So he's no longer in maximum security prison. Uh, he is. Uh, he told her that he has been transferred uh, to a, um, a, a, a bigger cell uh, with three other cellmates, and that for the first time in years, he's sleeping on a mattress. My God. Uh, we don't know yet if he'll be allowed books or uh, exercises, which are his right by the law, no matter what prison he is in. Uh, but we are hoping uh, we'll we know in the because he's just he's just been transferred yesterday. So we are hoping we'll get to know more about the new conditions in the new prison. Um, they allowed the family uh, to visit him today. Uh, the visit was uh, again in a cabin with the. Uh, with a glass sheet and headset, and and headset, uh, and the uh, and the cell he's in is uh, is on camera full time. Okay. Uh, so definitely, there's a change of conditions. However, he's still fragile. He's still lost, he has lost a lot of weight, uh, and um, he's on day forty eight of hunger strike, and he is uh, maintaining his hunger strike for its original demands. And the demands were. 
um, as, a, as an Egyptian citizen, he was asking to be assigned an independent judge to look through all the uh, complaints and official reports we have submitted to the general prosecutor uh, and to different uh, um, justice entities regarding all violations and abuses he had been exposed to. And as a British citizen, to be granted the consular access and via the consular access to have counsel um, uh, guidance and, uh, and advice on what legal pathways he can take. Uh, uh, against uh, the, the the abuses he he, he suffered, but also uh, against the crimes he he bore witness to, because he had witnessed so many um, crimes against humanity in the and maximum security prison. Yeah, and torture in the maximum security prison run by the state security officer Ahmed Fikri, who's renamed Walid al-Bashir. So he is still on hunger strike. He's still waiting for consular visit. Um, and he's still, and we are still waiting for his release. But after weeks of pressure and help from, you know, from lots of other people, uh, uh, and help from uh, different officials on the UK side, a small, small shift happened. So it's making us more hopeful. I want to thank you, Mona Saif, for, for being on True Talk and uh, my little piece of advice from uh, uh, helping uh, Palestinians uh, all over the world, uh, but especially inside uh, uh, occupied Palestine. Don't let go of the pressure. Without this uh, foreign mm -hmm. pressure on Twitter and Facebook, some people might belittle it, but really uh, it does help and it creates a headache. And I want our listeners really to go to his book, You have not yet been defeated. So you can understand when Muna says he doesn't have uh, books or he doesn't have a newspaper or he doesn't have pen and pencil, how torturing that by itself, even if he was sitting in a five stars hotel for somebody who writes the way uh, Ala writes, you will be very, very uh, disturbed and you will realize how terrible uh, that is because, for instance, while he is in prison, he talks about the first time, the first half an hour he ever had with his uh, son. Uh, his father passed away while he was uh, in prison. So, Muna, I really, really want to thank you for being on True Talk and best of luck uh, to your family and to Allah. And please give your mom a hug for me when you see her. Thank you very much. Thank you, Muna. And um, you know how important uh, WMNF is, uh, ladies and gentlemen. So keep uh, supporting WMNF. Uh, we will be fundraising in a couple of weeks and uh, make sure our voices are on. Uh, such conversation might not might have been stopped if Muna uh, was in Cairo, but alhamdulillah. Uh, she is in England and I hope that her brother Ala will be released. Uh, again, uh, the book is You Have Not Yet Been Defeated and the song you are listening to is by a Tunisian and it's about Kalimiti Hurra, My Word is Free. It was the 19, the 2015 Nobel Peace Prize uh, concert. Thank you for supporting WMNF. Thank you for uh, tuning in. Stuart is in the studio and I'm sure he has plenty of beautiful music for you. Keep supporting WMNF and this is your co-host Samar Jarrah and PR News is next. <laughs>